0: to share this morning, I'm grateful for our pastors, Pastor Mike and Rhonda, that they have been faithful about their vision and their purpose to equip the church to do the work of the ministry. And so through the years as I've known them, they've Poured into my life and they've equipped me, and it's been so good because I've tried to be intentional about equipping others to, to make that multiply. Amen. So I'm excited to share this morning. Pastor Mike has been doing a series on Choose Joy. And if you're visiting here this morning, we thank you for joining us. And I just want to encourage you that there's, those messages are available to you on iTunes, as podcasts, or even on our harvestalexandria.com website. You can go to the media tab. You can pick up all those messages, get caught up. You'll be blessed. You can learn more about the church. But thanks for coming this morning. And we invite you to come back again next week. So he said I could contribute to this series. So I'm going to do my level best. So let's go ahead and just dedicate this part of the service again. Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your presence here. Just come and just fill this place, Lord. Lord, as I declare your word, I pray that you would just give me the power to speak Articulate what you, your heart says. Lord, open our hearts and our ears and our minds to what you have for us. I pray for this and that we would leave changed and mourn your likeness. In your name, amen. Amen. So, our foundation scriptures for this series are Isaiah 61:3, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And Psalm 100 verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness, serve the Lord with joy, come before his presence with singing. God desires you and I to walk in joy. As Pastor Mike has been teaching, joy is not an emotion, it's not a feeling, it's not based on circumstance, it's a choice. And a powerful way we can choose joy is through our praise to God. Praise changes the atmosphere, praise cultivates joy, and praise draws us into the presence of God. Depression, anger, discouragement, mourning, they cannot remain when we praise God. It cultivates joy. This morning, I want to focus on another contributor of joy. I'm going to start off with a funny story. This lady, she's on the worship team, and she just finished up a dynamic practice with the worship team. She was so excited about what God was doing. She went out and slapped a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker on her car. And so she took off, just excited about what God was doing. And then as she came to this intersection with a stoplight, she started digging in her purse. And without realizing it, the light turned green. And so this guy starts honking and she's like, oh my gosh. And she pops her head out the window and waves real big at him and goes, I love Jesus too. And then as, as that started on, more people, people started honking. She couldn't believe the goodness. Like, all these people just love Jesus. One guy hollered out, Jesus Christ. And and she just was like, oh my gosh, we're sharing so much love for Jesus. And just at that moment, she realized the light was about to turn green. She went through. She was the only one that made it through the intersection. (laughs) Obviously, these people were honking for other reasons than their love for Jesus, but it illustrates how refreshing it can be to share a common connection with someone. Amen? Amen. And one of the reasons I love coming to church is this is the place where I can come together with like-minded people. This is the place where I can come together with other people that share godly values. This is the place where I can gain refreshment. I can press in and I can know him and I can come alongside all of you and make him known to others. Where other place can you find believers that are determined to stand with you, that are determined to pray with you, that are determined to believe God's truth over your life? determined to see his destiny fulfilled in your life, where other place can you go? This is part of my testimony. I was born and raised pretty much in the church in some capacity, but after a series of years of kind of doing my own thing and and rebelling and kind of just making a mess of my life. In my early 20s, I decided I need to go as an adult and make a decision for Jesus and go back and return to the church. I moved here from Washington State out to Minnesota and I had a full expectation that I was going to be moving into a conservative area and because of the mess I had made, I expected to walk into this rural church, I expected to be greeted with judgment, with some criticism rejection. I was a mess. I knew it. And I was, I was anticipating that kind of reception. But God led me to a church that shared a common focus of making him big to everybody who walked in the door. I walked into a church that prioritized his presence. And when I walked in, I was greeted with love and acceptance. It broke down the walls in my heart. It totally disabled that perception that I had. And you know what it did? It kept me coming back. I wanted to keep coming back for more of that. And there were women, uh, Rhonda's one of them, there were women that reached out to me. They loved and they accepted me for who I was and where I was at, but they were determined you're not gonna stay there. We're going to come alongside you. We're going to mentor you. We're going to disciple you. We're going to speak God's truth into you. We're going to speak God's destiny into you. And we're going to be determined to see it come to pass. And that's what's made all the difference in my life. And not just in my life, but in my family's lives as well. It's just, it's just that through the years, I'd like to tell you that after that happened, that, um, that life just got like easy street, like tiptoe through the tulips. But you know what? Jesus is a straight shooter. And he tells us in his word that in this world, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulation. Just because you serve him, you're not not immune to that. It's going to happen. But then he says, take heart because I have overcome the world. In this world, you're going to have this. But take heart. I've given you the tools to overcome. And so as I keep coming back to church... And we keep facing different things that have happened throughout the years in our marriage or or just personal things or things with raising kids. I'm so glad to have a church body that's come alongside and said, we're going to stand with you. We're going to fight with you. We're going to see God's promises come to pass in your life. It's so good and it's so refreshing. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalms 133. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is. For brethren to dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. There's so much packed into this chapter, I don't want you to miss it. Just like joy, unity is a choice. And unity contributes to our joy. They're cohesive. Last week, Pastor Mike taught on killjoys, and he, he taught on discontent and comparison. How many recognize that division is another killjoy? How many recognize that division is running rampant in our society? Like, it's, it's unusual not to be divided about something. If you're not offended about something, you need to go pick something up. That's kind of like the, the outlook of society, right? But God puts a priority on joy, on, on unity, and unity allows the anointing to be poured out. When we look at verse two, it says, it's like precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. What does that mean? Well, here's the thing. In the Old Testament, when there was a priest or a king that was anointed, they were anointed, when they were chosen, they were anointed with the pouring out of oil, a fragrant oil. It was something that could be seen, It was something that could be felt. And it was scented with fragrant spices. It was something that could be smelled. It was tangible. It was representative of the presence and the favor and the approval of God. It was representative of the anointing of God. So those that were around could say, I I smell that. I can see that. I want some of that. There's the anointing there. It's the presence of God. And, And what the scripture is saying is when we dwell in unity... Others can see it. Others can sense it. Our lives give off that fragrance that it draws others to it. Unity is like the dew of Hermon. What, what does that mean? Well, here's the thing. Have you seen those commercials, you know, like the mountaintops, and there's these fresh springs, and the water is crisp, and it's clear, and there's birds singing, right? And what do you think of when you see that water? You think, that looks so refreshing, right? That water is good for cleansing. That water is good for cultivating life. That water is good for multiplying life. And that's what the word is saying here. When we dwell in unity, it's refreshing. It's cleansing. It cultivates life. It multiplies life. And where there is unity, the Lord commands the blessing. Now, how many of you have been blessed by God? All right, hands going up. How many of you used this to go, this was a pivotal moment in my walk with the Lord. God showed up here and things shifted for me. You got testimonies like that? I got tests. Do you like it? I love that. I love God. I love his presence and I do love his blessings and I'm not ashamed to say so. And so when the Bible says, hey, Look, this thing right here, this draws the attention of God. This thing right here, this moves the hand of God on your behalf. This thing right here, this blesses the heart of God. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to pay attention. And I want to live accordingly. And that's what this scripture is saying. It says unity, when we walk in unity, when we're purposeful in unity, God commands the blessing over your life. It's evident to others. It's refreshing. It multiplies life, and God commands the blessing. Interestingly enough, scripture teaches about unity all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's a common thread you see time and time again. In Genesis chapter 13, we hear about Abram and Lot. He hadn't been changed, his name hadn't been changed to Abraham yet. I'm so dry. <sighs> We hear about Abram and Lot. And in this chapter, um, God has made Abram exceedingly rich. It says he's rich in gold, he's rich in silver, he's rich in cattle. And Lot, he's also exceedingly rich with uh, cattle and, and, and livestock, all sorts of things. And they're dwelling in the same place. And the land can't sustain both their families. The land can't sustain both of all their herds and everything. And so it's causing this bickering between the herdsmen. And I don't know what they were saying. Maybe they are saying, this is my pasture. Go find another pasture for your sheep. We dug that well last week. There's not enough water. Go dig your own well. I don't know. There's this bickering going on back and forth. Abram catches wind of it. And he takes the lead. And he goes up to Lot and he says, listen, this is not how we should be living. This isn't right. We're family. You have first choice. You decide. I prefer you. You decide. You look to the left or the right. You go whichever way you want, and we'll go the opposite way. You decide. And so Lot takes, and he assesses the land, and he decides that stuff over there looks really similar to the Garden of Eden. That looks good. It's lush. It's going to support my livestock and my family. We're going that way. Okay, thanks, Abram. Immediately after Lot leaves, God shows up, and he visits Abram. Lift your eyes now, and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. I want to share something. That is a commanded blessing. Abram, you chose unity, you chose agreement, you have more than enough already, but I'm going to expand it, it's going to go on for generation after generation, it's going to be so numerous you won't even be able to count it, because you chose unity, I'm commanding the blessing. Now I realize Abram and Lot ultimately went their separate ways, but Abram prioritized agreement. I suspect some of you might think, I can go, I can go along with that unity, don't, don't go... Just don't go away mad. Just go. You could release some people in your life that way. But Abram was intentional about pursuing the peace. He was intentional about pursuing the agreement. And it could have turned out so different. Abram could have gone down the trail of seniority. I'm the uncle. I brought us here. I established this. I'm staying. I'm putting my stake in the ground. Lot, you got to figure it out. Get your men under control. What are you doing? I'm the one that bought him his first fishing pole, gave him his first herd, taught him everything I know. He's got to go figure this out for himself now. He could have done that. How many times do we allow things like that to come into our thoughts and fester in our mind? I have a right. I deserve this. They did me wrong. They're the ones that need to make it right, not me. How many times do we allow the enemy to have that territory in our minds? And we don't recognize it. We feed the beast of self-importance. I deserve this. We feed the beast of offense. We feed the beast of division. Or we feed the beast of apathy. Not my circus. Not my problem. I'm not going to worry about it. We're going to hit on that in a little bit. Or this saying. It was so popular a while back. You do you. You live your truth. But why would you want to do you? Or why would you compromise for your own truth when you can live the truth of God? When you can live out the word of God and see his purposes and his promises come to pass in your life? Why would you settle for anything less? Well, this is what happens when we allow those thoughts to take hold in our mind. It's called rumination. We ruminate about those thoughts. And here's the definition. We go... Over them in our mind repeatedly, often casually or slowly to chew on for a repeated or an extended period of time. It's like, it's like the, the alter ego of meditation. You know, God wants us to meditate on his word, to soak in it, to take it in. Ruminate is to repeat something casually, slowly, chew on for an extended period of time. Rumination, focused attention on the symptoms of one's distress and on its possible causes and consequences, as opposed to its solutions. Another definition says rumination is chewing the cud. Chewing the cud. So I did a little anatomy research. Cows have about four stomachs. What they do is they eat. It goes down the first stomach, they burp it up. They chew it, they swallow it, they burp it up. Well, here's a revelation. God created you with one stomach. Your purpose is to address something and let it pass. You are created for freshness, fresh bread, fresh revelation, fresh truth. That's what you're created for. That's what you walk on. You are not a cow. You are greater than that. God created you as a child of God. And so you see and you encounter something and you go, I am not ruminating on that. I am not ruminating on that. I am meditating on the truth and the word of God, and that is how I will build my life. I am not letting offense set in. I'm not letting self-importance set in. I'm not letting apathy set in. I'm going back to what the word says, and that is how I build my life. No room for rumination. So Abram did what he knew to do, to foster agreement, to keep the peace, to eliminate strife, to protect the family bond. Abram gave preference to his nephew. There was leadership and there was trust in God. And God showed up and commanded the blessing. You can see that, right? Now, unity is not simply an absence of quarreling. It's not just an absence of division. It is the presence of shared motive, agreement, shared action in the same direction, shared love, vision, and a shared purpose. Unim- unity is the atmosphere that draws God's presence. When we walk in unity, God shows up and he invades your circumstances. It's a promise in the word. So when Pastor Mike first started this series about four weeks ago, four or five weeks ago, we opened the service with this praise that was just, there, God was just on it. And as we all jumped in, you could tell there was unified hearts. Like, people were just hungry to press into God. And God's presence was just there. Like, it was almost, like, effortless. And so as we were jumping in, I was like, I was just enjoying it in the presence of God. And Caitlin came in just a few minutes after the service started. And she walked up the side. And I could hear her singing. And I could hear her clapping. And there was such an authority. It just, like, splashed over. Like, I was already in the river okay like I was already enjoying the presence of God and excited for what God had for us but then I heard my daughter then I heard my daughter come in and I heard her come in with an authority and just a boldness and it just did something like it stirred my heart up and I felt like I heard the spirit of God say now you know now you know how I feel when my children come together confidently and boldly in unity worshiping me. And I could just sense the, I could just sense the spirit of God like, ah, oh, there it is there it is, they're getting it, there it is. And you know what? There is an eagerness in God's heart, like, I'm gonna pour out over that. I wanna pour out over that. I wanna dwell in that. And I could hear like heaven cheering and cheering us on. We need to choose, that is valuable. That's valuable. And that stirs my heart. We need to choose to live united and lead, lead as the church, as the bride of Christ in unity. And the first thing that that requires is um, really simple. (laughs) It's really simple. It's a no-brainer. But so often, because we're so caught up in busyness and in our own little circles, our own little whatever, we forget about it. The first thing we need to do to live united and lead with unity is get to know one another. Get to know one another. If you come to church late, if you leave early, if you never serve, you just aren't going to be able to feel that unity or sense that unity, right? So we've got like this whole thing going on with the freedom groups. That is an opportunity to jump in, find out where you fit, and get to know each other so that when, next time something comes up, I need someone to pray with me. I know I can, I can call Diane. I know I could call Stacy. These people, they, I get to, they're my friends. They'll pray. They'll stand with me on the word. You've got to get to know each other you got to work alongside one another. We've got another women's worship night coming up. No shameless plugs here. I'm just, <laughs> women's worship night coming up. i got to tell you, every time we host those, the Holy Spirit does something different. Ladies, we have different women come from the community each time. I just want to encourage you, if you're a woman, be here for that night. It's September 12th. Be here, because the thing is, it's an opportunity for you to get refreshed. It's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to reveal something more to you, encourage you, to fill you up. It's also an opportunity for you to pour out and bless someone else. We need you here. But those are the things. To live in unity, we need to get to know one another. We need to work alongside each other. We need to be unified in our giving, in our praise, our worship, in building things and reaching out to others and in, in encompassing a larger vision this isn't it. We have not arrived. God has so much more for us. And there's joy in unity. When we stand up and lead like this, guess what? It's not hard to stand out to the world around us. Especially when we know there's so much division, there's so much brokenness going on around us. And when we come together as the church of Christ and we lead in unity, we shine like a city on a hill. We've already discussed how it's refreshing. It's a drawing factor to people that are tired and beat up with discord and division. And Jesus is lifted higher. In John 17, Jesus is praying after the Last Supper with his disciples. He has identified his betrayer. And he starts praying. I just think, you know, he knows that his time is coming for the crucifixion. He knows his time is coming for a torturous death. What would your prayer look like? Those are your moments. Your what would your prayer look like? Well, he starts giving an account for everything he's done. Like, God, I've heard your voice. I've been faithful. We've been unified in this. And he starts giving an account of, of what he's done. And then he turns and he starts to pray for his disciples. And the Bible says he prayed with a deep love. He prayed for his glory to be revealed through surrendered hearts. He prayed for their, their protection and he prayed that they would represent Jesus and be made holy and liberated through God's truth, his word. In verse 20, it says, and I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one so that the world will recognize that you sent me. And for the very glory you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity we enjoy. Isn't that interesting? Jesus knows his time has come, and the thing that he prioritizes in his prayer is unity. The thing is like, okay, God, now, I'm not just praying for these that are here in the here and now. He predicts church growth. He says, I'm praying for all those that will one day believe in me through this message. He's predicting, he's praying for you and I in this prayer. And in it, he's saying, I'm praying for this so that they are equipped and empowered and that the world will recognize that you sent me. Through their unity, the world is gonna recognize that you sent me. And he wants it to be the same unity that he enjoys with Father God. In verse 23, he says, you live fully in me, and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity. The world will be convinced that you have sent me. This is the proof, the proof in the pudding. For they will see that you have loved each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Jesus thank saying, God, show the world that you love them like you love me. And you know how God showed Jesus that he loved him? He showed up. <laughs> And I just love that. God showed up. Unity creates an atmosphere that God longs to dwell in. God desires to pour out his spirit on all flesh. That's what the Bible says. He wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And the Bible also likens us to vessels. Now, a vessel can be like a vase, a cup, a pitcher, right? And what are vessels designed to do? They're designed to receive... To hold, to carry, to pour out, right? But if a vessel is broken, if a vessel is smashed to pieces, can it serve its design? No, it can't. And that's why we have to be people that prioritize and protect unity. So we have that cohesiveness. So we can fulfill the thing that God has designed us to do. To hold his presence to carry his presence, to transfer his presence, to pour out his presence, that Jesus would be known. We have to be stewards of this. You know, I talked about apathy a little bit earlier and saying, you know, it's it's easy sometimes to identify self-importance or division because sometimes they're so loud. But apathy sometimes is that quiet thing that's divisive, that kind of sneaks in. And we just, you know, not my issue. But in Philippians 4, Paul starts talking and there's two gals that made the bible. They've done great works for the kingdom and 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 there's some reflection on this, but this is what Paul says. He says, "Forgive forgive my pronunciation of the names. I urge Yodia and Sintic maybe to iron out their differences and make up. God doesn't want his children holding grudges." So he's like addressing these two ladies like, gals, you got to get this thing in order. Get it sorted, but get on this. But then he says, oh, oh yes, since you're right there to help them work things out, do your best with them. So then Paul says, listen, I'm going I'm to call you in on this too. You're right there. Come alongside these gals, help them work things out. We have a responsibility to protect the unity. We have a responsibility to come alongside and lovingly speak truth to one another and say, hey, listen, this thing that you're fussing over, that you're frustrated over, it's probably not gonna make a hill of beans next week, much less for eternity. Let's get over it. Let's move on. We got bigger things to do here, okay, than to ruminate. And so then Paul says, he goes, "You get them back on track because these women worked for the message hand in hand with Clement and me and with the other veterans. They worked as hard as any of us. Remember, their names are also in the book of life. So let's get them acting up to their high calling. Let's get them back in place. And then he goes on and he says, Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side. That you are are working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. So that's the thing. We all carry this responsibility, not just for me, myself, and I, but because you're my brothers and sisters, and I love you, and I love what God has for us, it's my responsibility to help you walk in this as well. It's important. 2 Corinthians 3.11. I mean, Paul says this again and again. He says, Finally, beloved brothers or beloved friends, be cheerful, Sounds like joy to me. Sounds like a choice. Be cheerful. Repair whatever is broken among you. As your hearts are being knit together in perfect unity, live continually in peace. And God, the source of love and peace, will mingle with you. Sounds good to me. I like it when God mingles with me because you know what? He gives me insights to how I need to live to glorify Him. I love it when I hear His voice. I love it when I'm faced with something and I go before Him and I say, okay, God, here it is. What do we do with this? And, and I get a, a something in my heart that's like, this is your direction. This is how you handle that. I want God to mingle with us. Unity requires that we bring all the pieces to the table. Everybody, bring all your pieces to the table. Each one of you, each and every one of you, nobody's omitted from this, has been given talents and gifts from God to use for his glory. And they're all timely, and they're all necessary for here and now. You all have talents and gifts. We need to be faithful in employing those. And we have to set our hearts on God's fulfillment in our lives. Ephesians 4, 1 through 13. It says, in light of all this, here's what I want you to do while I'm locked up here in as a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God has called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, you know, kind of like my dieting plan, but steadily. Do it steadily. Pouring yourself out for each other in acts of love. Alerting at, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Be quick about it. You are all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have, now listen to this, you have one master that is worth, that is worth staying solid on. That's not negotiable. Well what if I you have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. That's not what that means. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us has given his has each of us is given his own gift. So Paul is saying here, you all have your own unique gifts. You all have your own unique talents. You all have your own unique ideas and things to bring to the table. And do that. Do that in strength. Do that. But stay unified in your purpose of why you're bringing it to the table, to see God glorified, to see him magnified, to see other people come in and be delivered, to see other people come in and be set free, to see other people experience the freedom and the knowledge of Christ, to see them fulfill their destiny, to see them healed, amen? Bring your gifts. God created us differently. He gave us diverse gifts to use as a singular purpose, and that purpose is to glorify him and to make his love known to others. We need to be unified in that. I want to encourage you this morning to take account of what God has placed inside of you and be a good steward of it. Don't just let it sit on a shelf. Step out and get it before him. And I could just even hear someone right now saying, Well, you know, I tried that. It didn't go so well. I think I'm just gonna sit in the back and just let that lay it, you know, just keep it at rest. And here's the thing, do it again do it again. Just because God gave you something, you know, there, here's the thing I had. I had this expectation, well, God gave me this gift, so I'm just going to get up and walk in it perfectly. And that's just not the case. You got to get up and you got to walk in it and learn and grow in it and stretch in it and learn and grow in it and maybe fall down and get back up again and stretch in it and grow. And here, God designed it that way. Because if you just got up in your gift and you were just an ace, like, yeah, I got this. Guess who you're giving the glory to? Yeah, I got this. But as you start exercising the gift that God gave you, maybe it's administration, maybe you're creative, maybe you've got a speaking gift, maybe you need to be on the worship team. As you get up and you exercise that gift and grow in it, one of the things that happens is you learn dependence on God. And you learn, I can't do this without him. And you learn the importance of bringing glory to him every time you lay it before him. And you just trust, okay, God, I don't know, but I'm gonna trust that you're gonna be faithful in meeting me there because I'm gonna step out in this again. So some of you, if you've shelved your gift because it just didn't work out the way you hoped, take it off the shelf, blow the dust off and do it again. We need it. We need it in the house. I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion and united in love. Walk together with harmonious purpose that you fill my heart with unbounded joy. Philippians 2.2, 2, Paul's saying that again to the church. When we walk in unity, the joy spills out over to others. Like joy, unity is a choice, and you can't have one without the other. You can't have joy without unity, and you can't have unity without joy. It just doesn't work. They're cohesive. Unity leads to our growth, it leads to bringing God glory. It leads to God's commanded blessing. It leads to our effectiveness and our increase. This fall, we're going to be celebrating 20 years as a church family. Is that awesome? I'm so excited for that. I am so grateful for the faithfulness of our pastors. God put that in their heart. It's God's vision. He put it in their heart to run with it. And they've run with it. And as we thank God for all he's done, for all that he's established in these last two decades, I'm just not satisfied. Chad and I came here because we had a rumbling in our heart. We knew God had great things for this church family. We knew God had great things for this community. And so we left our church. We got married. We had babies. We left with a blessing. We talked with our pastor. We said, you know, we just feel called to go and support Pastor Mike and Rhonda in this. And, And we left with a blessing, but we came because of what we sensed God had. And you know what? God still has that. There is still so much more. So I'm so grateful for what he's done, but I am expectant of what's to come. Amen? I'm so expectant of what's to come. And here's the thing that I've learned about growth because I've had the opportunity to be part of different organizations. Um, I've had the opportunity to be a part of a growing family. Here's the thing that I've learned about growth. Growth always causes a little bit of tension and it causes A little bit of stretching, amen? And so as we go into this next season, we need to go in with open, expectant hearts and also be protective of the unity. We need to go in with an anticipation of what's to come, that God's going to show up on the scene, that we're going to give all that we have to give, our gifts, our talents, that we're going to come together with one purpose to see God glorified and to see lives affected. Because what's going to happen in this next season as we grow is there's going to be more people coming through our doors that need to be healed. There's going to be more people coming through our doors that need that that word of hope, that need restoration. There's going to be more people coming through our doors that need ministry and we need to be unified in it there's going to be more people coming through our doors with talents and gifts and we need to be unified in employing those amen what god has established here at church for the harvest god wants to increase and multiply he's putting the call out for unification of heart and purpose he's aligning us to receive his commanded blessing he's aligning you and we must respond by choosing joy and choosing unity. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and have you all stand with me. You know, one of the things we love to do at Church for the Harvest is at the end of every service, just give opportunity. If you've joined us today and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life or, or maybe he has been Lord of your life, but you've kind of decided to take back the reins and said, uh, you know, I can just try to do this on my own and you, you this it's not going so well. And you'd like to recommit your life to Christ. We'd like to give that opportunity. I gotta tell you, um, for me, it's been the game changer. It's been the game changer. I wouldn't wanna walk any other way than submitted to Jesus. And he continues to grow He continues to teach me more. This is going to be a lifelong process. But I've tried the other way and it it didn't work. And the first step in unity is coming into right relationship with Jesus. So I just want to invite you today. If you've never given your life to Christ, this is your opportunity. With every head bowed, I'm going to lead you out in a prayer. And if that's you, I just encourage you just to uh, pray this prayer with me. And then also I encourage you to um, come up and tell us at the end of the service that, hey, you know what? I know there's a slide too that um, you can actually say if you've given your life to Jesus. But we want to celebrate that with you. And we want to encourage you. And if it's you too, come to the freedom groups. If you give (laughs) your life, you come and you visit today and, and you surrender your life to Jesus, come to the freedom group and hear more of what God has for you. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And he came back to life with resurrection power. I don't want to live apart from you. I repent of my sin and choose to follow you. Jesus, forgive me. Come in and be Lord of my life fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me strength to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we close out the service this morning, I'm gonna ask the altar ministry workers to come on up and uh, just let you know that if there's anything we can pray with you about, we would encourage you to come up. Maybe there was something that spoke to you this morning. You're like, I've been hanging on to things. I've been ruminating about things. But I'm going to choose to let that go. And you want someone to stand with you in a prayer of agreement. These people are safe people. We invite you to come up and just ask them to pray with you. But I'm just going to uh, close out the service here with a prayer over our church, if that's okay. So, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Again, we thank you for your word going forth. Lord, I thank you for the unity that's in this church. Lord, I pray that the spirit of unity would always dwell among us and that it would increase, that we would be united with one heart to see you glorified and magnified, that your heart would be blessed and just love being among us. Lord, I pray that whatever challenges there are out there, Lord, I just lift those up to you. I ask that your spirit would come on that and, and that you would just lead to freedom, Father God, freedom from rumination, freedom from self-importance, freedom from offense, Father God, that we would just come before you with a boldness and a heart to see you glorified. Lord, bless each and every person here. Continue to, to reveal yourself to them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.